Good evening. This is Lehigh Valley Discourse, and you are listening to Wellness Lehigh Valley. I am your host, Sally Hanlon. Wellness is important to a balanced lifestyle, and more and more, we as humanity are figuring out how certain elements can lead to positive results, from mental health to the environment, including all the things that can affect your wellness. I am happy to invite you into conversations on ways to improve or think differently about wellness in the Lehigh Valley. Tonight, we have a very special program featuring the upcoming Tagore Distinguished Lecture Series at Moravian University. Rabindranath Tagore was a Bengali poet, philosopher, novelist, social reformer, and painter best known for being the first non-European to be awarded the Nobel Prize for Literature in 1913, and he lived from 1861 to 1941. Tagore was highly influential in introducing Indian culture to the West and is generally regarded as the outstanding creative artist of modern India. Tagore lived through the agonies and the destruction of the First World War and witnessed the unfolding of the Second One. Tagore wrote, spoke, and preached relentlessly against the perils of nationalism and the utmost need to honor human dignity, even for the weakest and destitute. His messages for a well-connected global human society are immensely relevant today. Here is an example of Tagore's poetry, Where the Mind is Without Fear. Where the mind is without fear and the head is held high where knowledge is free, where the world has not been broken up into fragments by narrow domestic walls, where words come out from the depth of truth, where tireless striving stretches its arms towards perfection, where the clear stream of reason has not lost its way into the dreary desert sand of dead habit. Where the mind is led forward by thee into ever-widening thought and action, into that heaven of freedom, my father, let my country awake. Our first guest tonight is Dr. Arup Sangupta, who will be talking to us about this event and some of the history behind it. Then, after Dr. Sangupta, joining us is the speaker for this year's series, Dr. Deepak Chopra. Please stay tuned for this exclusive interview. For well over three decades, Arup Sangupta's research has encompassed nearly every aspect of water science and technology, from drinking water treatment to desalination to municipal wastewater reuse to resource recovery. Sangupta is internationally recognized for advancing and expanding the field of ion exchange science and technology and applying it for development of sustainable technologies and new materials. Dr. Sangupta authored well over 100 peer-reviewed journal papers, 
and is the recipient of 12 U.S. patents. Welcome, Dr. Sangupta, to Wellness Lehigh Valley. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this program tonight. And before we get into some background about how you got involved, let's just make sure our listeners understand what this event is, where it's happening, some of the logistics about it. Could you share that with our listeners? Uh, yes, this is probably the fifth year or sixth year, but uh, uh, we didn't have any lecture on uh, 2020. Uh, 2021, we had only virtual, but uh, prior to that, you know, 2019 and 2018, we had in-person Rabindranath Tagore Distinguished Lecture in Moravian College, which is now Moravian University. This is once-a-year event uh, where it's open to public, and people come from different places, also out of the state. Uh, last year it was virtual, so probably to my knowledge, maybe people from five or six different countries participated, although time zone was very different, and they are, uh, were people from China, Russia, Bangladesh, India, England. Uh, so that's how what the program is about. This year is on April 5th at 7.30 p.m., in Foy Auditorium, which is very close to Stone's Throw from Hotel Bethlehem. There is a parking area there, and if you see the link, you know, just you have to kind of register, type in, and you'll get all the information. So for people locally, maybe it is better to come in person. It's a different kind of feeling. For others, uh, quite naturally, you know, they can also participate this time virtually. Okay, and for listeners, if you want to know that website, it's moravian.edu slash Tagore, T-A-G-O-R-E, moravian.edu slash Tagore. So this series that you said is about maybe five or six years old, how did this come about? I know that you are a founding member of the Tagore Sangupta Foundation that started in 2008. Is this part of the foundation's work? Uh, this is, you know, but, but this is much bigger than that, you know. Uh, first of all, uh, unfortunately, if I may use the word, you know, for lack of a better word, uh, Rabindranath Tagore is a household name in countries like India, Bangladesh, uh, Sri Lanka, even in China, if you uh, pronounce it correctly, okay. So, so this is not something he's kind of revered for a different reason, you know. And and the reason is that, let me give you, you know, uh, uh, what the background of this person is, you know, then one would understand. Obviously, in the Western world, Rabindranath Tagore was very well known in nearly 100 years ago. In 1930, he came, gave a lecture, did something in Carnegie Hall. There were people standing outside, you know, overflowing people. But here things don't stick, you know, now he's forgotten, but I believe he's more relevant today. And many of the speakers who spoke before also think the same way uh, than ever before, you know, because of, uh, not only because he was a great poet, he won Nobel Prize, uh, uh, as a first Asian, and also as first non-European, which means that he won Nobel Prize before any American got Nobel Prize. Interesting. So he had all the Lawrence, but he's not that well-known. But that's a very tiny part of this person. Uh, to quickly understand, you know, uh, 
what he is, the way I put it, he's not really an Indian, he's not really Hindu, he's a, a kind of citizen of the world, in the truest sense of the word. And let me just substantiate that by saying, he died in 1941. In 1947, India became independent. And India, which is a secular country, but predominantly Hindu country, which took one of his poem songs as its national anthem. Hmm. Then in 1971, Bangladesh became independent. Bangladesh is a 90% Muslim population. They, too, accepted another poem song of Tagore as their national anthem. And there has not been an issue about because he, he rises beyond all these factions. Sri Lanka, which is a, a predominantly Buddhist country, it is not him, but one of his students wrote a poem which became <clears throat> uh, their national anthem. China and India are not exactly the two most friendly countries or friendly neighbors, but I travel to China very often. And there is a Tigger's name in Chinese character. Every Chinese knows Tigger. It's also studied. It is also part of their curriculum, some of the poems. So you can, not only that, here, uh, say, in Hollywood, when they kind of initiate some kind of uh, philanthropic uh, human rights things, there's a very famous poem from his Nobel Prize winning uh, poetry book. People recite that. Uh, some Nobel Prize winners, before they accepted their Nobel Prize, in their accepted speech, they recited that poem. So this is just to give you the feeling that Tegogori doesn't belong to just one region and, and uh, one language or one uh, nation. He's beyond that, and he's very relevant today, even uh, in the face of what we're seeing, you know. Right. Uh, who uh, uh, kind of apprehended or anticipated things which are kind of happening in East Europe. And Tegogori wrote three essays, you know, more than 100 years ago. And for each one, the title was Nationalism, because he, he, the country was not independent, but who could foresee the rise of ugly brand of nationalism? And then he wrote in very straightforward way. He was also a very good essayist, uh, novelist, and the, the words were like this, you know, when love for one's country, land, or society, they're all good things, but when it goes beyond a certain point, then it starts insulting fellow humans. And at that point, it becomes self-destructive, kind of suicidal. And that's what we have been seeing now. And also, that happens in the United States, you know, which I've been seeing, you know, for quite some time. Now, your choice of speaker this year, you mentioned that Tagore was a citizen of the world, and I think the speaker that you selected this year, Deepak Chopra, is also a citizen of the world based on the fact that he's been an amazing, prolific writer and has sold a lot of books. How did you select him for this this year's event? There are many people who are very qualified, and there are many people who are known around the world as Tigger scholars, okay? And there are people who the PhDs that do. Uh, Deepak Chopra is a great admirer of Tagore. I mean, he's from India, and he has been exposed to his uh, poetry and other things. You know, although the mother tongue's mother tongue is different. So I knew him as an admirer. And for this lecture, we also want to bring people, uh, not exactly Tagore scholars. You know, 
that that person has to qualify as a Tigris scholar. But the person who can deliver the message to people that why Tagore is pertinent, why Tagore is relevant today, you know, the kind of thing I just said, you know, a few minutes ago, and all of the speakers, last year it was an American speaker, Eric Weiner, which is a prize-winning some New York Times, he's a NPR, you know, he was mm-hmm. an NPR reporter, you know, this Eric Weiner, his uh, best-selling book, you know, uh, non-fiction, you know, on travel. So he also said the same thing. So that's the part, you know, look for normally people who have general appeal to uh, Americans from here, uh, Indian Americans, people from other places, and there are a lot of people who know about Tigger. So so that's the, the, the kind of criteria. There are always many choices. Uh, a list is big, you know, but sometimes it's also difficult to bring people now from outside, you know. Sure. Uh, so that's that's a part. But that's but he's a very worthy uh, candidate, very worthy, and he's a very well-known speaker. And he's also a known name, you know, in the country, you know, for other reasons. Well, and he's a prolific, as I said, writer. I mean, he just published a new book. I was surprised you know, that you were able to get him here during his promotion <laughs> for this book. That's incredible. I know, but uh, I do not know how much you know about Tagore, but this Every person who knows Tagore has a good reason to feel proud that he or she is being asked to give a Tagore lecture. And he definitely uh, kind of enjoys this, and that's one of the reasons. I know he's busy because I was talking to their group, you know, uh, but but this is, again, also an opportunity to uh, talk about a person he himself, you know, all his life, you know, has admired and talked about sure. uh, Rabindranath Tagore. Well, I'm, and I just read his book, and he does acknowledge Tagore in his book as well, his new book. So uh, the two come together. And I, is there anything that you'd like to share about this distinguished le- lecture series with our listeners, for those who might be on the edge of do I come, do I attend? Anything? Okay, I, I, you know, I would like, you know, uh, people to attend and people to be exposed to Tagore. And and Tagore is very addictive, you know. Tagore is very infectious, you know. So once you get into it, I know a lot of people from different countries around the world, Russian, Chinese, British, Australians. But this is an avenue to expose Tagore. And after that, people see, you know, they get get deep and deep into it. And that really helps uh, us. That helps the society. After all, you know, we are part of the same uh, kind of people in the planet. And my goal is to eventually not to stop at this lecture, to make something like uh, Tegra Center of Global Studies at Moravian College, Moravian University, and then where students can be exposed, they can be taught, and they can see, you know, how this is a unifying thing, you know. I think I think that's a great idea, and I think coming from your perspective as an engineer and having this balance with this, you know, concern for the world and Tagore's philosophy, I think that's exceptional, and I want to thank you for being a part of this, for bringing this to Moravian University, for bringing this to the Lehigh Valley through your foundation. Thank you so much for your efforts. Okay, good. You're welcome. Okay, thank you. Listeners, we're going to take a short break. You are listening to Wellness Lehigh Valley with our guest, Dr. Arup Sangupta. We have been talking about the upcoming Tagore Distinguished Lecture Series at Moravian University, which is being held on April 5th.
When we return, we welcome our very special guest, Dr. Deepak Chopra. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Psst! Did you know that your phone is a radio? You can tune in to WDIY anywhere on the go with WDIY's phone app. Download for free from the Apple or Google Store, and your phone will become your trusted radio. The easy-to-use app lets you listen to WDIY on your phone live and access your favorite music shows on demand. Download and share the WDIY app with your friends and family and introduce them to many choices, real voices. Welcome back to our Wellness Lehigh Valley program. Before we went to break, we were talking about the upcoming Moravian University Tagore Distinguished Lecture Series, which is being held on April 5th. I would like to now introduce you to the next speaker on this program, Deepak Chopra. He is a medical doctor. He is a fellow of the American College of Physicians, world-renowned pioneer in integrative medicine and personal transformation. He is founder of the Chopra Foundation, a nonprofit entity for research on well-being and humanitarianism, and the Chopra Global, which is a modern-day health company at the intersection of science and spirituality. Chopra is an adjunct professor of urology at Mount Sinai, professor of internal medicine at University of Central Florida, clinical professor of family medicine and public health at the University of California, San Diego, and serves as a senior scientist with the Gallup organization. He has authored more than 90 books translated into over 43 languages, including numerous New York Times bestsellers. His latest book, Abundance, The Inner Path to Wealth, unlocks how you can cultivate a sense of abundance in times of fear and insecurity and will be available and is now available. Time magazine has described Dr. Chopra as one of the top 100 heroes and icons of the century. Dr. Chopra, it is our unique pleasure to welcome you to Wellness Lehigh Valley. Hello. With your recent uh, book release, which I just finished, uh, Abundance, the Inner Path to Wealth, you, you have a very busy schedule getting out there, and you've been able to include a visit to the Lehigh Valley and Moravian University for the Tagore Distinguished Lecture Series. What appealed to you about this and fitting it into your schedule, and what do you hope that those of us that attend walk away with? Okay, so right now, if you Google 
the following question. What are the 150 open questions in science? The number one question, it appeared in the year 2008, I believe, in the science magazine, hasn't changed. Uh, the number one question is, what is the universe made of? And the second question is, what is the biological basis of consciousness? And the reason uh, these two questions are very important to science today and to philosophy and to humankind is that we do not know what the universe is made of. And there are many reasons Um, that I can give you, but no need to do that now. I'll do that in the lecture. But if they, we could um, we could summarize in one sentence what the universe is made of, it would be it is made of nothing. So then, what is the nature of nothing? Science calls them the quantum vacuum, which uh, is um, a hypothetical entity. Although there's evidence for it in science that there are things called virtual particles that emerge as the uncertainty principle or sorry, uh, that uh, emerge and submerge, disappear at the speed of lightning uh, according to quantum laws called the uncertainty principle, which says these particles are randomly generated and somehow, mysteriously, they create the universe. Um, And that is current science. Um, the second question is, what's the biological basis of consciousness? Which is, how do we know what we know? And the current scientific thesis is, consciousness is produced by the brain, just like bile is produced by the gallbladder, or hydrochloric acid is produced by the stomach, or pancreatic juice is produced by the pancreas. However, we, even if that was true, we don't know how, because all your brain is experiencing is electrical, informa in electrical information. You don't experience electrical information. You experience a world of colors, sounds, tastes, textures, smells, um, thoughts, ideas, creativity, insight, intuition, um, higher consciousness, transcendence. And, you know, we, we are authors of poetry and music and all kinds of arts. So is this being produced by random particles? And that, so based on this, very interestingly, um, Tagore and uh, uh, Einstein met. Uh, yesterday was Einstein's birthday, by the way. Oh. He, they, they met outside uh, Berlin in a place called... Uh, I think it was, I forget the name, but let's say Berlin. Yeah, it was uh, the city of Berlin, maybe the outskirts. And they had this discussion. And uh, finally, uh, Einstein conceded to Tagore that science was his religion. He used those words. and But he was going to stick to his scientific hypothesis, even though he could not prove um, Uh, how this happened, how random particles create the universe, laws of relativity, and 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 so on. But Einstein was a humble person, unlike some of the greatest uh, physicists we have today who are very kind of arrogant. The early pioneers of, uh, 
of the quantum revolution and relativity was, of course, entirely Einstein. But on the quantum revolution, there were people like Niels Bohr and Schrodinger, all mostly Germans, but Niels Bohr was Danish. And they they formalized uh, all these theories in 1925 in a conference in Sweden. But they were very humble people. They were, they were willing to admit that they didn't know the answers to these questions. Today, science has become a dogma. And in fact, it has followed exactly what Einstein said, become a religion. So I want to address these very important questions for humanity because the future of our evolution depends on our understanding consciousness. Without consciousness, we can't even do science. Forget poetry. Yes. Interesting. Well, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, especially now because of the the times we're in, individuals and countries, we're all really weary from everything that's going on, you know. And if we have consciousness, it's it's sort of an overload right now, but we have the pandemic after effects. We've got the polarization of attitudes. We've got the news overload and what's happening in the world, especially in Eastern Europe. These issues are affecting our mental and physical health both Mm -hmm. as individuals and countries. Do you have a way that we can begin to address so that we can get ourselves maybe back to the middle um, when our our heads are just crazy with all this stuff that's going on? Yeah. You know, there are three brains that we have. The first brain is called the reptilian brain, which only knows how to fight or run. Uh, It's 300 million years old. The second brain that we have is emotional, limbic brain, that's 100 million years old. And if our emotions feel connected with each other through compassion, empathy, love, joy, and kindness, then we experience wholeness and we experience peace. If our emotions are somehow... Um, uh, undeveloped and the average age of, um, uh, if our emotions are dysfunctional and stop developing uh, at the age of eight, then we run for office. You know, we run for, (laughs) (laughs) that's the only qualification we have. We can become president. So right now the world is ruled by emotionally undeveloped males and that's the problem. Uh, a dysfunctional emotional brain and a reptilian brain are dominating our cortical brain. The cortical brain is only 4 million years old and evolved very rapidly after we created language. It is because of the cortical brain that we have science and, of course, art. And both can be, you know, uh, science can be divine and diabolical. Right now it's diabolical. Nuclear weapons... Um, biological warfare, cyber hacking, extinction of species, um, destruction of the ecosystem, uh, climate change, mass migrations. The mutations are actually, these pandemic mutations are indirectly or directly related to uh, uh, climate change, which we don't even recognize. So it's very understandable that if we continue this way, we are definitely sleepwalking to extinction, which might be a good thing for nature, you know, because human beings are like the cancer of the planet. They uh, they multiply faster than any species. They plunder, they destroy. So from nature's point of view, this might be a good development. Get rid of this predator. 
On the other hand, we have self-awareness, and if we can be the change we want to see, as Mahatma Gandhi said, and there's a critical mass of that, there's actually a solution to every problem that's happening, whether it's war, whether it's climate change, whether it's extinction of species, we can bring back even extinct species with the knowledge we have of the microbiome and the genetics and the, of the planet under the soil. So we are at a, you know, we are at a crossroads. One way leads to extinction, and the other way leads to a more peaceful, just, sustainable, healthier, and joyful world. But you need a critical mass of consciousness to do that. And that's all I do, day and night dream of how we can reach a critical mass. And that's what I do, what I do. Well, and you've been extremely prolific in uh, your writing and your uh, speaking and uh, gathering individuals around you who support that idea and want to be a part of it. Um, your entrance into this spiritual healing realm started after, I mean, you, you, you blend science and spirituality so well together, which is so unusual in these times because of the, maybe it's the reptile brain, maybe it's the Olympic brain. Um, but, you know, you do it so well. How, how, how did you do that? I mean, what, what brought you to that point in your life to be able to make that transition? The beginning was very interesting in that I saw people who were sick and had the same disease. They saw the same doctor. They got the same treatment. They had different outcomes. Not everybody, but a few. But you don't need a lot of people. You need one person who breaks the rule, and you know there's a mechanism. So I started wondering what was happening in these people. And what I realized is the people who recovered, and you know, including spontaneous remissions from very severe diseases, they return to a baseline state that we call homeostasis or self-regulation. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So that's what started the whole thing. Well, and I hope that your visit to the Lehigh Valley and when you're coming here on April 5th uh, and people get a chance to either see you in person or virtually at Moravian University, um, that we can help add to that critical mass because, as you said, it's just so important because I don't want extinction for my future generations. Yeah, and I, yeah absolutely. And the kids are realizing this, by the way, that we messed it up for them. Yes, haven't we done that? Well, I know yeah. th that your schedule is very busy, and I really appreciate the time that you've spent with us today here at WDIY. Thank you very much for being a part of this show and coming to the Lehigh Valley. We have a, a lot of people looking forward to visiting with I'm you when you're here. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Thank you to our guests this evening, Dr. Arup Sangupta and Dr. Deepak Chopra. These interviews have been an exciting opportunity for me personally. Being able to talk with Dr. Arup Sangupta, whose amazing vision has brought the Tagore Distinguished Lecture Series to Moravian University, was exceptional, especially in these times. And then to be able to talk with Dr. Deepak Chopra, whose work I have followed for years and whose knowledge and insight and his sharing has crossed into my herbal training with David Winston and nutrition training with Joshua Rosenthal. Wow! This opportunity has provided a very special highlight in my career. Thank you, listeners, for making time for this conversation, and I hope you enjoyed it. You can also find past episodes and other public affairs programming at WDIY.org and on our major podcast platforms. I am Sally Hanlon, and this is WDIY 88.1 FM. 
Tune in next Thursday for more Lehigh Valley discourse, and we'll see you next time on Wellness Lehigh Valley. Punjab Sindh Gujarat Maratha Dhamna Mahatma